If you have a Bible with you, would, would you turn to Matthew 18? And uh, I'll have a, a bit of a preamble to get us there, but we, we will uh, eventually land in Matthew 18. There's a, there's a light on. Is this happening? Wow. <laughs> okay. It's amazing how many times I've been uh, in various venues and they give me a cordless mic and I, I don't have a clue how to turn it on. So, did it. Yay. We can all go home now. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I, I have this much to share because my heart is bursting with these things in a limited amount of time. So, I'm going to hit the ground running if that's okay. Are you folks able to listen fast? Okay. Okay, I want to talk to you about a group of people that Jesus refers to in Matthew 25 that he calls the least of these. And in this church, many of you will be very familiar with that group of people. I just, I just want to, right out of the gate, say I realize this is not a complete definition. Okay, just so we're clear. But for our purposes this morning, this will do fine. When Jesus is talking about the least of these, and Matthew 25 is one of those pa- passages where he does... He's talking about someone who can't pay me back, if that makes sense, all right? Someone who can't do anything for me. And that is the passage where Jesus says, and he says to me, he says, Jay, and you can insert your name there, okay? There's actually going to come a day in history. There will actually be a moment in time for real. This is not a fairy tale. This is actually what's going to take place when I will say to you, says the Lord, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was in prison, you came to visit. And on and on and on and on it goes. And then the Son of God himself, the King of kings, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, who cannot lie, the word of God himself says, in so many words, I take these things personally. That's how big a deal it is to God. Because he says, whatever you have done for one of the least of these who can't pay you back, who can't do anything for you, you actually, literally, for real, says Jesus, did that for me. Amen? And I'm I'm really driving that home, and I I understand I am, but there's there's a reason. It's It's because there's been some pretty goofy teaching on this passage. And I just want to emphasize some orthodox uh, Christianity, um, scriptural Christianity. When Jesus says that, he is not being poetic. Are we still friends? This is not a metaphor. That's my point, okay? Jesus is saying, um, in so many words, he's saying, friends, this is reality. And all of heaven sees it this way, right from the throne of my Father, and all of the, the cloud of witnesses, and all of the created heavenly beings, and all of the angels. Jesus says, whatever you have done for one of the least of these, you actually, literally, for real, did that for me, says Jesus. What an amazing promise from the Lord and invitation. By the way, does that sound like worship to anyone else? Yeah, a lifestyle of worship outside the walls of this sanctuary gym, gym chuary. <laughs> Whatever you've done for one of the least of these, you actually, you actually did that for me, says Jesus. So it's apparently and clearly throughout the whole council of scripture, for those of us who have been born again by the spirit of God, it is a really, really big deal in the kingdom when you and I do things for others with no thought 
a profit. There's no profit motive. There's no thought of what I can get off it. And, and having said that, can I also tell you something? Even ha having met only a few of you, I know I'm describing the lives of a number of people here right in front of me right now. In other words, you're all about other people. You're all about pouring yourselves out, out for others. Maybe you're looking after someone or, or someone's or you're ministering to somebody on a regular basis. It would never enter your heart or your mind that you're doing that for what you can get off the relationship. It's not about that, is it? It's about, if you know the Lord, it's about the love that he has through you for someone else. I, I would go so far as to say, and this is Bible, friends, if you have been born again, it actually is the spirit of God indwelling you, loving someone through you. You with me? Something that happens, it's happening to me more and more frequently because sometimes I get to share with really large audiences. I know a few of you have a little bit. I'll be in a massive group of people. I don't know anybody. I'll be in front of this really big audience and this is happening more and more often. I'll be sharing in this, and I'll be, just be struck with something. It's almost physical and I'm not exaggerating. It's like something, I can almost feel it. It's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? I love these people. I love these people. And I'm not that nice. And the Lord will remind me, Jay, it's all true. Son, it's, every bit of it's true. I really do indwell you. Jay, I'm letting you in on this much of how I feel about these people, both as a group and more importantly as individuals, says the Lord. Isn't that cool? And I know many of you have experienced exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe not with a large group of people, but more often maybe with, if it's just someone you've never met before. You meet someone for the very first time and you think, oh my goodness, what is that? And you just have such compassion for this individual. It's the Lord, guys. It's all true. He truly does indwell you. Okay, amen, 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 amen. There's, so there's this massive group of people. I don't have time to unpack that. But this group that the Lord calls the least of these can't do anything for you. When we do anything for them, the Lord says it is recognized and recorded in heaven that we're actually doing it for Jesus. Which is like the coolest promise ever. Under this massive category of people that the Lord calls the least of these, there's a subcategory of people particularly in the Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, if you're new, it's the first four books of the New Testament. And particularly from Jesus himself, there's a group of people, and you may have never noticed this before. You will now, because I'm pointing it out. Next time you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you'll see that there's a group of people that Jesus refers to. It just seems like they get way more than their share of airtime. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Give you a hint. I'm here to represent Compassion Canada. It's children. You, and as soon as I say that, how many just had scriptures come to mind about children? It's phenomenal how many times Jesus refers to children, right? You should really humor, humor me. I'm a guest here. How many, actually, seriously, I bet you a bunch of you just thought of, you know, let the little children come to me, forbid them not. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are just like these little kids, says Jesus. And then he says to adults, he says, you adults, you can't even enter. You cannot even enter my kingdom, says Jesus, unless you personally humble yourself and become like a little child in your heart. That's a strong word, really. You know, regardless of how many letters you have after your name, even if you have degrees in, in theology, Jesus says, you can't even enter. You can't even come into my kingdom unless you personally humble yourself and become like a little child in your heart. Okay, so there's all these scriptures about children, and it's because they figure so prominently in the heart of the Father. Yeah? Matthew 18 is one of those, is one of those passages where Jesus is specifically talking about the kids, about the children. And we're going to look at verse 10 to verse 14, but even before we do that, I just... I have to draw your attention to verse 5 of Matthew 18 just because of what Jesus said about the least of these. Remember, he says, 
whatever you have done for one of the least of these, I'm telling you the truth. And heaven, heaven sees it this way. This is reality. You did that for me, says the Lord. But look what he says about the children. Look at verse, Matthew 18, verse 5. He's using the same language. This really should shake us. It should shake me. Lord, shake me with the truth. He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this, he's holding a little child in his arms, okay? Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, literally, actually, for real, welcomes me, says Jesus. Isn't that neat? How many want to welcome Jesus into every part of life? I do. I sure do. Every single part. You know, the whole, the whole council of scripture points to this, but that verse alone, that verse alone, all of a sudden, children's ministry takes on huge import when we recognize how prominent ch children are in the kingdom, right? They're up here somewhere in God's economy, the forefront of his heart. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my, my name welcomes me. Let's go down to verse 10. Um, verse 10 of Matthew 18 is in the imperative 10. I, I want to I impress you here. Are you impressed with my Greek prowess? In the original language, and it's, you know, I've been in a lot of contexts where as soon as a pastor would say that, everybody shuts down at that point. They stop listening. So please don't. Um, yeah, I won't call it a miracle, but it's grace, huge grace that I passed two years of Greek. Um, but I did. Yay, God. Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with Suvlaki. Uh, <laughs> I know what books to go to to look, look things up, okay? And which is really is helpful. And... Um, Matthew 18, verse 10, and I have to find that on my phone, um, but it's in the imperative tense in the original language. And the reason that is important, and it is, the reason it makes any difference at all is because it means this is a command. You with me? So this is not a suggestion from Jesus. Jesus is the one speaking here. It's not a helpful hint from the Lord. This is actually a command to his disciples. How many are disciples and followers of Jesus? Yeah, me too. Okay, so this is a command from the Lord to me. And he says this. It's a very strange command. Okay? Um, he says this. See to it that you do not look down on any of these little ones. One of the translations is even far more harsh than that. He says, see to it that you don't despise one of these little ones. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'll read that and I'm thinking... Lord, I like kids. Kids are good. Most of the time, you know, I don't have a problem with kids. I don't think I despise kids. A couple of things about this. First of all, seriously, the Lord is not talking about your kids or your grandchildren or even great-grandchildren if you're at that stage of life or even your friend's kids. And the reason I say that is because if there's any health at all, just because you and I have been created in the image of God, yeah? This is the truth. That being the case, if there's any health, and I'm talking about we little children now, it, 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 you love your own children. There are days, okay, granted, but you love your kids. There's not a lot you wouldn't do for them, right? You protect them. You look out for them. Um, but that's not what the Lord's talking about. He's talking about children around the planet. Children as a whole group in the heart of the Father. And I believe the Lord would say, even, even today, this, this is the thing. Even in 2019, we do tend to think, even subconsciously, we do tend to think we're fairly sophisticated. And I believe the Lord would say to us today, you know, in most of the planet at this moment, children are not held in high esteem. 
They're just not. In many cases, they're terribly, terribly exploited or worse, sometimes terribly abused. And some of you are far better versed than I in those things. And I'm not going to go there. But you, you know that it's true, right? Right? Why? Because they can't do anything for you. They can't pay you back. And, and, and evil, wicked, fallen human nature, of which I am totally subject, apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ, is death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah? But that wicked, human, fallen nature looks at a child, and if there's no profit motive, you know, if this little person can't add to my bottom line, they're they're using up good resources at best. And I know that's a horrible thought, but that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon in many parts of the world. And the Lord says, don't look down on these kids. There's far more going on than meets the eye. Not not just your kids, okay? That that is different. Like, I, I know this is really deep. Have you ever noticed if your own child, if it's a wee little child, if they have a runny nose, that's 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 cute. You with me? If it's somebody else's kid, yeah, it's gross. That's just nasty. So don't look down on the kids, he says. And then, very strange explanation. This is the Lord. He does not need to explain a command to me. And yet, so often, he does. And this is one of those instances. But the explanation, quite frankly, is as strange as the command at at first glance. Because he says this. So don't look down on the children. Okay, I think I got that. If you help me, Lord, I'll try not to. Okay. But then he goes on to explain. He says, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What a strange thing. What does this have to do with that? And what a strange thing to say. And again, without unpacking this in detail, can I, can I point out one of the things that, that where we don't need any inference, where the Lord is clearly, the simplest truth the Lord is saying to us here is, look, when it comes to children, heaven has invested everything in these kids. This is how prominent they are in the heart of the Father, to the point, okay, that they have been assigned created heavenly beings. And, and, and let, let me pause. As strange as this is to our Western ears, can we again remember who's speaking here? This is Jesus himself speaking to his disciples, and that's me. That's us, right? He's saying it because we need to hear it. He's saying, look, heaven has invested everything in these kids. There are actual heavenly, created heavenly beings assigned to these children, and they're they're of a different substance, Paul says, than we are, but they're as real as we are. Elsewhere in Scripture, they're called the elect angels or the holy angels. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. Are not all, all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Amen, amen, amen. And Jesus is saying these angels are actually around little children who can't do anything for you. Little kid who's not going to get you a promotion at work. They're not going to introduce you to influential people or add to your bank account. They're going to drain your bank account. That is the calling of God on little children, and they fulfill it so well. But they can't do anything for you. They have no power. And Jesus says, you be careful. Be careful. There is that which is sacred. There is that which is holy around the children. And there are heavenly beings assigned from God around them, and these heavenly beings... On a regular basis, says Jesus, see my, my Father's face in the fullness of his glory. You don't yet, says the Lord. But these angels around these children actually for real do. Again, this is Jesus who is speaking. Don't mess with the kids. There's so much more going on, Jay, the Lord says, than you can see with your physical eyes. Most of you, most of the time, 
won't see these angels with your physical eyes. And that's precisely why I'm telling you, says Jesus, they are there. I have to move on. Jesus has not changed the subject. He's still talking about children, and he says this. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. He's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Amen, amen, amen. This is the heart of the Father. How many have heard of D.L. Moody? Do you recognize the name D.L. Moody? Lots of you. Okay, that's wonderful. I have a list of heroes of the faith. D.L. Moody is one of them. He, he was just a great brother in the Lord, just a great man of God who lived in the 1800s, uh, and he died in 1899, so he's in heaven, and we will meet him for real. Yeah, I love that. I love this truth. But D.L. Moody, personally, and I want you to get this, in the 1800s, so obviously way before the media we have today, way before the travel we have today, he personally led tens of thousands, I, I can't even get my head around this, tens of thousands of people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that percolate for a moment, okay? One man did that. That's supernatural, okay? That's John 15, the vine and the branches. The Lord says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, says Jesus, that you bear much fruit. Most of us would agree, leading tens of thousands of people to faith in Jesus in the 1800s, that's much fruit. Okay, this is one of the best examples I can think of of what Jesus was talking about. And we will meet those people in heaven as well. Tens of thousands of people who were personally led to faith in Christ through the ministry of D.L. Moody. I love that. And yet, as an old man looking back on his life, he made this statement. I want you to hear this clearly. He said this. He says, if I could relive my life, this is just before Jesus took him home to heaven. He says, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Let me try this set over here. If I could relive my life, so says a man who's led tens of thousands to Jesus, okay? Most of us would agree, yeah, that's a fruitful life. He says, if I could do it again, I would devote my entire ministry, 100%, to reaching children for God. Wow. Why would he say that? Well, he'd seen with his own eyes over and over and over the incredible impact that it has on families and on communities, and not only that, on nations. That's not an exaggeration. On nations, when children come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Really, really wise man of God years ago told me this, and you may have heard it. It's become almost a cliche. That doesn't change the fact that it's absolutely true. And he said to me, Jay, when a child is born again, God does not give that child a junior Holy Spirit. That's a good one right there. That's worth meditating on. A lot of implications to that statement. But the central truth is, when a child is born again, they really are. Amen. They really are. They've entered into a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? Yeah. Cool. So all that to say, it's a tremendous honor to be with you this morning. I love this church. I love you guys. Um, make me feel so at home. And, uh, so, oh, this is awesome. But to, to represent the ministry of compassion, and actually, hopefully, I, I believe, my prayer and my hope is that primarily I'm representing the Lord and his heart, and then also some of his, some of his friends who work for Compassion Canada.
Um, I'm not an employee of Compassion, by the way, so I can say whatever I want uh, about them. In my opinion, they are doing what D.L. Moody said he wished he would have done. You with me? I'm talking about in the field, wherever they minister, right around the planet, 100% pouring themselves out for the kids. But then, friends, when you, when you see what the Lord is doing through this, it is absolutely off the scale. It is breathtaking. And in the remaining time that we have this morning, I want to share about some of that. There, of all the things that I could say about compassion, there are two distinctives of their ministry that I really feel uh, strongly that I'm to emphasize here today. The first is by far the most important thing that I could tell you, um, and that is their absolute commitment to evangelism and discipleship. Okay? So important that you know that. Yes, they minister to the physical needs of kids who are in terrible poverty, but their first calling from the Lord on, on this organization, lots of great organizations out there, okay? But the first calling from the Lord on, on compassion is evangelism and discipleship. And just to put this in perspective, I sure hope you saw the pictures of children waiting to be sponsored on the tables out here in the, what do you call that? Lobby? Foyer? Lobby foyer. Okay. okay. Jim foyer. Jim foyer. <laughs> You know him too. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, those kids, okay, whose pictures are in the gym foyer at this moment, I just want you to get this. This is the truth. Purely based on statistics. So purely based on the numbers of what's been happening through this ministry all over the planet right up until this moment right now, okay, I can tell you with absolute confidence that the vast, vast majority of those children, once they are sponsored they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, come on. This is missions, man. This is missions. Think of the implications of what I just said. Friends, we will see those children in heaven. Yay, God. Yeah. That was it. That was a big thing I wanted to share, so you can go. See ya. The second distinctive, the second, and this is one that... I, this has impacted my wife and I more than I can tell you. I was a senior pastor for nine years. I get really jazzed about this. And if you don't, that's okay. And I mean it. But it's their commitment to the local church. And, and again, I'm talking about in the field. Compassion only works through the local church. And the way that I usually describe this to people is if you can imagine with me a struggling pastor in a third world or a developing world nation. And he, he's got hopes and dreams. He's got vision from the Lord. He wants to see God move in his community. He wants to see lots of people come to know the Lord. Same as you do here. Only in his case, maybe he can barely provide for his own family. Can you, and you can imagine that takes up the majority of his energy, right? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, and everything. Okay, that pastor partners with compassion. Now, I'm, sh I'm shrinking a very long story. There's more to it than this, but this is the bottom line. That pastor, that struggling pastor, partners with compassion, and within a few short years, usually within three to four years, his church is now three times the size that it was. Did you catch that? I don't have a grid to put that in, in Canada. I really don't. And I keep asking them, and they keep telling me, no, that's, it's the truth. Actually, that's, that's about average. In some cases, it's far, far more than that. But that's about average. 300% growth in three, maybe four years. But friends, I didn't even tell you. That's conversion growth. <laughs> Has nothing to do with people moving into the community or people coming from a different church. As great as that would be, no, this is all because people are getting saved. Isn't that wild? I love my home church. They'll, they're super supportive. They'll be praying for you today. I cannot imagine what our home church would even look like if three years from now it were three times the size it is right now for no other reason 
than because of all these people getting saved. But that's what's happening through this ministry. <laughs> Isn't that phenomenal? See, what's happening is that most of those kids are going to come to know Jesus. And then not always, not always, but in so many instances, the whole family follows. Isn't that amazing? So churches are exploding all over the place. This is not a church growth organization. And yet, look, look what the Lord is doing. They're just pouring their lives into the kids. I love it. I love it. That pastor that I mentioned, whose church is now three times the size that it was, he's now held in extremely high esteem. I've seen this with my own eyes multiple times now. He's, he's held in very high esteem in his community. Uh, his church has become the go-to place for anybody in the community who's in need. And why is that? Well, everybody knows, you go over there, those people, they love you over there unconditionally. But it's also the go-to place for all of these adults who are coming to the church, coming to the pastor and saying, you know, I don't know what happened to my kid who's in your program, but they've changed. And I don't know what it is that you have, but I know I desperately need it too. What must I do to be saved? Cool? Yeah, it's so cool. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So they've sent along a video. We're gonna show it this time if we can, Lynn. It's about two and a half hours long. My father three minutes, okay? was taken away from us, and by that I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. My mother had no job, my father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof, it was a tin roof that had holes in it. That was a night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets placed just where the holes in the roof are and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. That this was life. Poverty began to speak to me as a child. I thought I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend. And her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager she had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. That ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me. To hear words like, Richmond, I love you, Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. June the 3rd, 1996, I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. 
and then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in, it's deep. My name is Richmond Wandera and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. Wow, wow, wow. Isn't that amazing? Richmond, in addition to the Pastors Discipleship Network, so he's training pastors. But what they don't mention, I don't think they mentioned it in, in this video, Richmond is actually pastoring the church through which he was sponsored when he was a ch child. Isn't that amazing? I love it. Yay, God. Some of you will remember uh, Mother Teresa and some of her notable quotes. And one of the ones that really grabbed me, she said, you know, if you can't feed 100 kids, feed one. You get it? I think she was speaking to human nature. She was speaking to me personally, actually, because there's this tendency to be so sometimes overwhelmed with the size of the need. And some of these things that we can talk about, I can be a puddle like that, um, seriously, when we just focus on the size of the need. They're still talking about how many thousands of children perished yesterday, not last year, yesterday, from malnutrition and pre preventable diseases. And I don't, I don't really even go there that much anymore. And the reason is because I can just freeze up so easily. Just think, you know what, I'm just one person. <laughs> Come on, what can I do? It makes any significant difference. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Focusing on what the Lord is doing in this room right now, at this very moment, I know Many of you are being instrumental in seeing lives completely transformed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, probably for eternity, if it's through this ministry of compassion. And I know this because you're already sponsoring kids. So way to go. Bless you. Thank you, thank you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. You're, you're having an enormous impact. It's not just a picture on the fridge. You really are being involved in seeing lives completely turned around. So way to go. Well done. You rock. I'm a fan. Um, I'm not great at math, but I did work it out. It's 41 a month, which works out to $1.36 a day to sponsor a child, see their life completely turned around. $1.36 is actually considerably less than that if you pay income tax. Anybody here pay income tax? I'll get to that in a moment. But for our purposes, $1.36, here's a child has no hope, like, like Richmond was. That same child is sponsored, and friends, they really are thriving now. They're receiving what they need and learning about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is going in as they're being discipled, and it's not returning void. Amen, amen, amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite verses. Anybody else's? Some of you? Yeah. Okay. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. We have a good father. Sandy and I are seeing this fulfilled in the lives of our sponsored kids on a regular basis. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen, amen, amen. $1.36 a day. What's a medium double-double from Tim Hortons? Most parts of the country is about $1.70, $1.80, something like that. $1.70 for my coffee. $1.36 to sponsor this child. for Starbucks is infinitely more. 
but, uh, but worth it. It's just my opinion. Um, but here's a thought. If you regularly buy your coffee from Starbucks, you should consider sponsoring a village. Okay, I've got to hurry up with this now. So Sandy and I had been sponsoring kids for years and years and years. I don't even know how long. It was a long, long, long time. And I'm usually, I'm not on this channel, and my wife kind of is, so that's good. But I, I don't think this way. <laughs> but I would never even thought to ask. Um, we get our taxes done by an accountant every year. I'm self-employed. And at the time, there's a reason I'm telling you, I don't have time to unpack why, but there's a reason I'm telling you this. At the time, we were sponsoring four children. And I was just grateful that we could, yeah? Um, finally occurred to me to ask our accountant, what would be the difference in my tax refund if we weren't sponsoring these four, if we were not sponsoring these four kids? And as it turns out, and I never knew this, all these years I never knew, I haven't been spending $1.36 per day for each of these kids we sponsor. Friends, it's more like 70 cents. 70 cents, and I never knew. I pay 51%, I get 49% back. Isn't that wild? To say it another way, for me to sponsor two children costs almost exactly what I thought I'd been spending to sponsor one. There's a word for somebody. Yeah? So right in the accountant's office, I just blurted out, I said, oh my goodness, we got to sponsor some more kids. And we did. We got a few more. And, uh, but right out of the gate, we got this little guy. This is Mateo. And he's, he lives in Colombia. Great little guy. That was pictures from a couple of years ago. And Sandy and I actually got to go and visit Mateo. And we spent some time with him and his mom and his grandma. His dad's long gone. That's another story. But here's the thing. Mateo, he likes soccer and running. So we had an instant connection, okay, through the translator. Because uh, I like those things too. Far more importantly, Mateo has come to know Jesus. Yeah, that's a good-looking group right there. Mateo has come to know the Lord. This was two years ago. He just turned 11 in March. And um, I have so many Mateo stories, and I'll just tell you this. This is an 11-year-old Colombian boy who regularly, like faithfully, prays for me. Isn't that cool? And my ministry. So by extension, I guess he's praying for you today, which is pretty neat. Um, Sandy and I have four kids of our own, and they're older now. Uh, three of them are married already, and I'm going to be a grandpa. Woohoo! So excited. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know when, but I figure it's bound to happen eventually. Just making sure we're still all awake. Sandy and I have six grandchildren. True, true story. Um, remember I said I'm a, well, a wealthy man? The Lord has been so good to us. We have six grandkids right now. But our children, at last count, our kids were sponsoring eight more children. Isn't that neat? I love that. See, they get it. Their hearts are tender toward the Lord. And if, if you were to ask my kids... Okay, so these are young adults starting their own families. And if you were to ask them, why do you do that? Why do you sponsor children? They'd answer the same way I would. They'd say, why would I not? Really? Seriously? This is such a little thing. And yet it so represents the heart of our Lord and Savior. Amen? Yeah. For us, it's, it really is an act of worship, even a discipleship issue. It really is. Whatever you've done for one of the least of these, Jesus said, you did it for me. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name, you really did welcome me. See, we know, believers in Canada, we know we've been blessed by God. Very few believers in Canada would argue with that. We know we've been blessed. We just don't believe we've been blessed only to keep amassing more and more stuff, but also to be a blessing to others, right? And you know that here. I'm seeing that demonstrated through you. And 
so glorify our Father in heaven, Jesus says. Amen, amen, amen. I'm almost done, but I need to, I, to uh, reference something that I didn't know all the time that I was pastoring. This was brought to my attention since then, but that there are more than 2,000 references in the Old and New Testament to God's heart for the poor and justice issues. Did you know this? You did? It, I didn't. It's true. Way to go. <laughs> more than 2,000 references. And the, the reason that I mention that is because... I try, to do, I try to represent these folks as, long, as much as I possibly can because the Lord has just been honoring it so much, and I'm so excited about what they do. Um, but as I mentioned, sometimes I'll be in front of huge groups of people. I've had so many people come up to me after events, concerts or some event or church services, well-meaning people. So as, you see, I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing because I'm not, okay? But so many people come up to me and say, Jay, I need to pray about this. I need to pray about sponsoring a child. You know what my response to that is? Wonderful. That's great, because most of the time, it's a really good idea to take almost anything to the Lord, right? Yeah? Unless I'm being goofy. And may I confess to you, I am so not immune to being goofy. Some of you know where I'm going with this, don't you? And even before I get there, can I just say this? There are a lot of really good reasons to pray about this. There are. There are. For Sandy and me, it's usually, Lord Jesus, how many more this year? But if by that, I need, to, I need to pray about this, you know? I need to pray about sponsoring a child. If by that I'm saying, I need to ask God if it's his will for me to take a tiny part of my resources to help minister to the poor and tell them about Jesus. What do I think he's going to say? <laughs> right? Especially when he's already given his opinion more than 2,000 times. And, and I would add to that, and this is just my, this is my lack of experience really, but I can't remember ever in my entire life crying out to God and saying, oh, Lord, oh, Father, I really need your heart and your mind on this one. Is it your will for me to buy this cup of coffee as I go through the drive-thru today? Not trying to be mean, friends. Actually, I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I'm just trying to give perspective. I really like coffee. You probably picked up on that. In my case... Even from Tim Hortons, that cup of coffee costs considerably more than twice what it cost me to sponsor a child for today. I, I, I would never, wouldn't enter my mind I need to pray about the coffee. That would be weird. So just saying, listen, if you don't sponsor kids yet, that's okay. God bless you. God bless you. But you can take care of that today. So please don't run off after the service. Would you go to the tables and choose your child and they'll sign you up. They've made it so easy. You don't even need to have any money with you today. They do uh, want me to uh, encourage, they keep reminding me that we not put this off, right? That we not delay this. So there is a guitar guy who's got some CDs out there. If you can start a sponsorship right now, would you take a CD as well? And that's just to say thank you. And that it's just to encourage that we don't put it off. I guess that makes sense, right? If you sponsor 10 kids, take 10 CDs, okay? You would not be the first to do that, by the way. If you already sponsor children, Again, thank you so much. It would be extremely difficult to overstate the impact you're having. It really is that big a deal, so well done. But here's the challenge. Would you consider another one? Or more if you can, you know, but at least take home a kid you didn't come with today. Surprise your friends. Pastor John and band, wherever, uh, Elise, um, Bless you guys so much for leading us in ministering to the Lord. Um, I'm pretty much done, but as they come up, I just, just one housekeeping matter, and it's simply this. 
if when we are dismissed this morning, if there's a big crowd of people around the tables so that you can't actually get up to the table right away, would you join me in saying, praise God? What a great problem to have, yeah? And let's, let's show patience and let's stick around till we can take care of it. It really, truly is that important. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. You guys are wonderful. And I uh, hope to see you at the tables after the service. Thanks a lot.